coming up on this episode of Cancer Chat. And they're significant because they have a lot of effects. They can change the way the body works in a number of ways. They can bind directly to the proteins, which makes them dysfunctional. They can bind directly to your DNA, and that can introduce mutations. And the end product of that is that it increases inflammation. And it's inflammation, we know, is one of the drivers of many aspects of cancer. Hi, and welcome to Cancer Chat. On this episode, Hollings Cancer Center Director Dr. Raymond Du Bois sits down with cancer researcher Dr. David Turner as they discuss what ages are and what they mean for your long-term health. Enjoy the chat. Well, I want to welcome uh, Hollings researcher Dr. David Turner. And I have to give you a spoiler alert. Uh, if you love to eat bacon, part of today's episode may be disturbing. And I do love to eat bacon, so I'm probably going to be disturbed. Uh, we're going to be talking today about something called advanced glycation in products. First of all, what are AGEs and why are they drawing such interest in cancer research? Well, advanced glycation end products, we call them AGEs for short. They're actually a group of reactive metabolites or chemicals that form naturally in the body when sugar comes into contact with, say, protein or fats or lipids. And when they come into contact, there's a chemical rearrangement, and that actually forms these advanced glycation end products. And they're significant because they have a lot of effects. They can change the way the body works in a number of ways. They can bind directly to the proteins, which makes them dysfunctional. They can bind directly to your DNA, and that can introduce mutations. Uh, but one of the most studied areas is that they can actually function by binding to a receptor that's on the outside of cells, and that sends a signal into the cell. And the end product of that is that it increases inflammation. And it's inflammation, we know, is one of the mm -hmm. drivers of mm -hmm. many aspects of cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's really where these things tie in. But they haven't been looked at in any great detail. So together with my lab and collaborators at the Hollings Cancer Center, we're actually tr really trying to define what the role of they, they play in cancer. Well, that's great. Obviously, uh, with cancer, we're worried about lifestyle habits and other behavioral issues uh, that we may think could be important in preventing cancer. What do you wish the public knew about the critical role of diet, preventing cancer, and these modified compounds that are having this effect. Sure, that, that's really the focus of my laboratory is actually because these advanced glycation end products are evolved with sugars, with fats, and with the proteins, which is all part of our nutrition, the foods that we eat every day. Ages are really sort of increased by things like cooking, food manufacturing, a lot of the high fat, high sugar foods that we know are involved with cancer and cancer prevention are very high in these advanced mm -hmm. glycation end products. Mm -hmm. So we've basically sort of been looking at that and to see what role does, if you're eating a diet that's high in ages, what does that do to the tumor? What does that do mm -hmm. to your cancer? And basically, we've shown that if, in a number of experimental models that if you're, on, if you're eating a lot of high ages, you have the potential to make your tumors go quicker. They might not respond to therapy as quickly mm -hmm. as what they might, we would like them to do. And uh, it, they're the type of things that we've been looking at. Yeah, and you know, we discussed this a little bit earlier, but you know, there are ways that women try to uh, use... Uh, preventive measures for breast cancer, and obviously screening is one that uh, we won't talk about today, but tamoxifen and other things. So I, you mentioned some very interesting observations about how ages may interrupt that preventive effect uh, sure, of those, sure, yes. of those um, compounds. So in, in basic fashion, we sort of treated um, estrogen receptor positive breast cancer cells. So these are human cells, they're from a tumor from um, 
uh, an estrogen-positive breast cancer. We grow them in test tubes, and then when we treat them with tamoxifen, which is a drug that's used to treat mm -hmm. this type of cancer, and it actually stops its cell growth. So basically, when we did that in the presence of ages, so if there was ages and tamoxifen, in the presence of these cancer cells, the tamoxifen didn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. That has implications that we're trying to explore now is that if um, an Eastern receptor positive breast cancer patient is actually receiving tamoxifen therapy and eating a high age diet, what is that doing to the efficacy mm -hmm. of the drug that mm -hmm. they're receiving? And right. That's something we've, we've actually put for, asked for funding for and we're trying to extend that further now. Yeah, I think it's something that needs to be looked into. And, and then along those lines, what specific advice do you give to the public uh, when you talk about this and how you know they might want to modulate the level of these in their diet. Yeah, I mean, that's an important side because most people have not heard of advanced glycation end products. Even the name is a mouthful. And there's a lot of scientists that haven't even heard of them. So we've really been pushing the outreach. We've been working with investigators here at MUSC, like Dr. Marvella Ford has been mm -hmm. really involved in this side of things and really starting to educate the public on what advanced glycation end products are. Because if you don't know what they are and you don't know their levels in the foods, you can't really address the fact that you're actually eating too many of these things. Mm -hmm. So we've really sort of been trying to get out there in the community and saying what these things are. Luckily, a lot of it is the high fat, the high sugar foods we already know are bad for us. They I can, they're obviously high in ages. But the other things are things like the way you cook a food, mm -hmm. that is intrinsically e increases ages within a food. And also the way that if you cook it in smaller portions, so if you have a meat, you can cut that in smaller portions, it cooks quicker. Mm -hmm. that, that sort of prevents the ages from forming. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can actually reduce your intake from that way. Some of our really exp exciting experiments that we've just been getting data for the last couple of months is that exercise seems to reduce the age formation. Mm -hmm. So we've shown that um, in experimental models that you can increase tumor growth three to fourfold if you, if, if if they're exposed to a high age level. Now, if you exercise and you're exposed to a high age level, that's actually reduced to a two, two threefold. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be a relationship between activity and the levels of these advanced glycation end products in the body. Mm -hmm. So the, I guess one of the messages is that it's not just the types of food, but it's uh, how the food's prepared. And you know, here we are in the southern part of the United States, so there's a lot of so-called southern foods. There's a lot of grilling. Mm -hmm. and are, would you have any recommendations for folks that are uh, preparing those kinds of foods and eating sure, large yeah. quantities? So in, in some of our talks, we have examples of foods, for instance, that we do. And if you have like three ounces of chicken, raw chicken, and you look at the age levels within that chicken, it's around 800 units. So if you actually boil the chicken, not many of us do that, but if you boil it, it goes to around 2,000. But if you actually grill it or fry it, it goes straight to 8,000 age oh, units wow. just from cooking the food. So we can see straight away there's a, an easy way that people can address to do that. The crock pots, the moist heats, not this high dry heat. That's the way to go to actually reduce these things in the food itself. Yeah. Now, I, I don't like to do this on the air, but maybe uh, you could show me how you're, you can test for these in, sure. in, in so, individuals. So ages um, sort of glow in the dark, basically, and they, they, they emit a fluorescence. And this machine can actually measure that fluorescence in the skin. You want and, to give it a shot? Yeah, sure. <laughs> So this and, would uh, be a good idea. So I don't know just, what the, you charge for this test, but... Uh. It depends on the outcome, I think, yeah, yeah. If you want to put your arm on there. Okay. Right, this only doesn't take long. It, it's, it's just about five seconds. We have to take the reading three times and the machine works out an average of what that, what that level is. Well, so far, I can't feel a thing. No, it's good. It's non-invasive. 
That's it. If you can lift your arm okay. off and put back on. Okay. Yeah, and you'll just take the reading again. So, I mean, this is used in Europe to actually diagnose cardiovascular disease. It's not, it hasn't even been recognized in the US, but in Europe, there's over 200 clinical papers validating. One more time. Okay. So it's something that GPs... The yeah, it's use. actually used in the clinic in Europe, mm -hmm. and uh, it's actually made by a company in Holland that took that way, but the, the age research has really sort of taken off in Japan. So you're about 2.8, and now I'm going to ask you to put your age in. I promise I won't look, so you just press that plus. Oh. Well, I, it's going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And then we press that. And basically, you are slightly above the mean mm -hmm. when it comes to the age levels in the skin. So what we have on here is a chart that comes across. I don't know whether you'd be able to yeah, see yeah. that on there. But there's a chart, and the, the line in the middle is actually the average person and what their age levels should be. And the line above is where you're over what you should be and when you're under. And it depends where you are on that chart, whether you, what your risk of cardiovascular disease is. And basically, yours is slightly above the mean, but it's below the risk of cardiovascular disease. Well, that's good to know. And I, I do get exercise, and, but I do have bacon in my diet. Yeah. Now, I know you've mentioned bacon is bad, but what about things like tofu that everybody thinks are healthy? Sure, yeah. So I'm actually known as the bacon killer on campus from a few <laughs> talks that I've been given. So I talked about like three ounces of food. So if you look in, a, say, vegetables have around 50 age units in three ounces of food. So if you go to bacon, so which is about three slices, maybe two and a half slices, is around three pounds. The actual amount of ages in that is 90,000 ages. Whew. And if oh it comes God. to it, the actual studies on this are very limited and there's nothing done by the FDA on glycation or anything to do with that. But basically studies indicate that we should be getting about 15,000 ages per day through diet. So, I mean, three slices of bacon is five times over oh that recommended goodness. daily amount. So you can see it's very difficult to keep your levels below what the, the recommended amount is at the moment. But the, the other thing that's different about ages is that things like tofu, everyone thinks tofu is healthy, yeah, and it is from a says. lot of different perspectives, <laughs> but it's synthetic. I yeah. mean, it's man-made, and the processing that goes into tofu increases ages within that, within the fats, the proteins, and the sugars within the tofu. And things like breakfast bars, great when it comes to calorie, they have around 2,000 age units. But I should go back to tofu. Tofu has around 6,000 age oh, units wow. in around three ounces. So really? there is So there's some differences in some of the more healthier foods that we yeah. think of. But it's not just the foods. I, my work has looked at nutrition a lot. But basically, there's the social determinants of health. Yeah. And these advanced glycation end products associate with most of them. You can talk about food deserts where people can only buy processed foods are usually high in fat and sugar and very little when it comes to the nuts, grains, the salads that we know are healthy and we know are low in ages. Mm -hmm. So people that are living in food deserts have to eat foods that are high in ages because right. that's all they've got to be available. There's things like pollution and your built environment. They can increase ages in the body, smoking, drinking. They, it, it just goes on all the way through it. So yeah. it really associates with lifestyle. This is not just a, a nutrition thing. And so, you know, you've given these TED Talks before to large groups. What kind of reaction are you getting from the bacon lovers? Oh, that, yeah, that was, yeah, it was quite <laughs> funny. There was, um, we there were actually taking surveys while the TED Talk was actually being talked. And uh, when they, they asked them, are you going to change your life based on this talk? We got 80% of the participants, and there was 2,000, I think, had all said afterwards. Now, whether they went home and actually made them changes, that's a different thing. 
But well, at there, first, we do get a reaction when we do this. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think it's you can measure it, you can talk about it. I think when people see those kinds of things, they're more likely to respond. Mm -hmm. um, now, there seems to be some critical windows of vulnerability during development or in childhood. Sure. Are there issues there that need to be addressed? Yeah, sure. I've actually got seven-year-old twins, and uh, so some of this data is really quite scary because in our experimental models, we can see that the, um, when we feed mice a high-age diet, we see that their mammary development during puberty really changes a lot. And at the 12-week time point, which is adulthood in a mouse, we're actually seeing preneoplastic lesions in these mice that look like ductal carcinoma in situ, which is an early um, breast cancer lesion. Mm -hmm. And we, we're actually seeing them in the mice. And when we went back to older mice, nearly a year old, them lesions are still there. Wow. So we're actually altering the sort of um, development of the mice and it may be um, sort of creating a niche that's more conducive for tumor growth wow. upon an oncogenic effect is mm -hmm. basically what mm -hmm. we're looking at. And we've got funding to explore that now. So that, that's gonna be a, a big focus of what we're doing in the future, we mm -hmm. look at that. Well, at our home, we have uh, Chandler, who's a Tibetan Spaniel yep. dog. Yeah. And uh, I understand there is concern about some of the prepared dog food, the, the dog nutrition that is available. Yeah. Can you say some things about that? Yeah, we talk about the processed foods a lot and how they're high in ages. Well, dog foods themselves, pet foods in general, basically are ultra, ultra processed. They take processed foods, then do more processing. And we're, from our early results, we're estimating that we're feeding our pets about 100 times more ages than we're consuming ourselves. And we know that it's, it's actually um, associated with all these chronic diseases. And uh, there was one study in Golden Retrievers that's shown that their lifespan has reduced about four to five years in just over a decade. Wow. Wow. And uh, we believe that these ages and the foods that we're feeding them are contributing to that. Ages aren't the only thing by any means. But we think that they're definitely playing a role in this. And we've just received funding for that to mm -hmm. start exploring that. And excitingly, it, it, for comparative biology, when we look at, say, a lymphoma in canines mm -hmm. and then we look at lymphomas in humans, we can actually make comparisons. Mm -hmm. So we're actually mm -hmm. making moves to working with veterinarians, mm -hmm. dog owners and mm -hmm. everything, and actually mm -hmm. trying to do clinical trials along that lines. Yeah, that, that sounds very interesting and also some of the animal studies even in dogs could apply to humans as well without so, it, yeah. definitely and you don't have to you don't have that long timeline right, between right uh, so we can really make some progress with that that would be really good well, well you mentioned earlier that you're working with marvella ford on yeah. some of the projects and i you know i know from hearing her talk that she's really interested in community outreach and health equity and health disparities. Sure. So are you seeing differences in different uh, segments of the population? Yeah, sure. Our first publication in Advanced Glycation End Products was actually looking at age levels in prostate cancer patients. And we sort of identified that the African-American prostate cancer patients had the highest levels of ages in the same sort of grade tumor, mm -hmm. which is a Gleason 7 tumor that mm -hmm. we looked at. Mm -hmm. And we saw that both in the serum and in the tumor itself. So there's the other side of this is the biomarker side because we can do this in serum. Mm -hmm. So we've got some studies going to look at that as well. But again, because it ties in with a lot of social determinants of health, which is leading to cancer disparity, especially in African-Americans in mm -hmm. South Carolina who are three times more likely to die of prostate cancer. Oh yeah, it's a big than, problem. Um, and non-Caucasian white men. So there's some real significant issues there. So if you're living below the poverty line, you're having to eat foods that are high in ages, and then we're showing that the ages are higher mm -hmm. in the tumors of African-Americans, there's some links there very much that need to be looked at. 
That's, that's uh, very interesting. You know, Hollings has made a strong commitment to uh, health equity and the community outreach because sure. we, in the surrounding counties, there uh, a, a large population of African Americans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, their their diets are not always the most nutritious in some of the areas, and so uh, I think that commitment now is strong, more important than ever because of some of the findings Definitely. that you're. I mean, so I mentioned social determinants of health, but that's really a buzzword at the moment with all the funding bodies and everything to mm -hmm. bring in, really see what it is there. But one of the things that really restricts the, the basic research, the translational research, is there's no real molecular models to, that can look at the social determinants of health. But these advanced glycation end products are sort of a downstream consequence of multiple factors of mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. both within nutrition and within the social determinants of health. Yeah, and it sounds like like lack of exercise, uh, and obesity. It all ties in. And so we things. can use the models and actually look at the levels of these things. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's almost like a biobehavioral marker mm -hmm. is what we're sort of telling this is. Yeah, that could really help her as she reaches out to those communities. Yeah, and we've been working with Marvella with, with this for over 10 years now, and mm -hmm. we've had a lot of successful funding. We've been going out in the community, which is a lot of fun. I can remember one talk we were given in James Island, and we were given examples of the ages in the foods. And uh, we came to talk about a Big Mac, and there's one guy who got up and said, no, nope, don't want to know. <laughs> he went outside, and then we told everybody there was about 8,000 age units in, in three ounces of a Big Mac, and then he came back in, and he said, go on and tell me. And it, it's, it really resonates because it, it's not just telling you this food is bad or this food is good and everybody gets confused. It's right. saying these ages are in the foods, they cause inflammation, this leads to cancer. And we're getting a real sort of response to that because yeah. they're starting to understand what we're trying to put across. So what do you think are the next steps? And, and you've been involved in this in a while. You've uh, published mm -hmm. some very exciting research and some findings. Where, where do you think you're going with this? Yeah, I think uh, the research needs to go. We really need to really, as much information as we can show, look, this is how these, uh, these ages are doing the damage. This is what they're doing. We're going to make some of the more regulatory bodies start to look up. And one of the, the ultimate goal would be to get ages on the food labels because yeah. they would be so much more informative than the trans fats and everything yeah, else yeah. that's on them that everybody gets confused about. But the other side of it is, I mean, this policy change, the, the processed foods, we can't just get rid of processed foods that we're going to have a lot of starvation issues. Right. They're intrinsic in society now. But there is yeah. ways that we can actually change the way we manufacture them. Yeah. We're actually working with a small startup company who is um, working with us, and it's a vegan company, and they need shelf life, so they have to process their foods. But we're working with them to look at each stage of their processing and where the ages spike, like when they use, they, uh, they would use in a high heat in their initial um, process, we looked at that and said, we'll use a moist heat, and we reduced it by two thirds the oh, ages wow. in the food. So if some food manufacturing companies can start doing the same thing. Yeah, that's great. We can bring that forward uh, and that helps out in a lot of Yeah, companies. I think uh, giving people solutions like that is gonna really be helpful. What's one small step parents can make to impact uh, their kids' health with regard to these ages? Yes, again, I mean, one thing about these ages that I haven't mentioned up to now is they taste fantastic. And they're even I, associated. Well, I know the bacon. Yeah, the bacon <laughs> is the one prime example. But it, so we don't say, well, you can't cut out ages. You can't anyway. They're everywhere. They're everything you can do. But by knowing where these ages are, what they do in the foods, you can make choices that can reduce them. So if, if they're given, if they go to McDonald's and have a Big Mac or they have a children's meal, 
then maybe a few couple of low age meals to follow that <laughs> would, would be a way to go to try and keep that down. But it, yeah. I mean, I, even I, I even had a slice, it was only one slice, but I did have a slice of bacon the other morning. <laughs> That's a rare occurrence, I must admit, but you do have to live, which is important. Yeah, I mean, some evenings we, uh, my wife and I just have vegetables that are, mm -hmm. you know, slightly steamed and stuff like yeah, that. So that, hopefully that's, that's the a, way to go. It's little changes like that, <laughs> that can make a big difference. One of the things we always say, if you roast your vegetables and sort of boil your meats, you would actually, mm -hmm. that would be a long way to go for it yeah. because the roast vegetables, when you roast them, it, it doesn't go very much at the age levels, but it does in the meats. Well, Dave, thanks for joining us no, today. No, I enjoyed that. Thank uh, you for talking. Can, can you tell us where people might go to get more information? Is yeah. there a, a good place? Yeah, we, we've actually just generated um, an anti-age foundation and uh, we've just got the website up and running. It's going to be expanded over this next couple of months, but there's a lot of information about these advanced mm -hmm. glycation and products. There's actually a, a database that was published by some people in New York that has 500 foods and the age content in all of them for humans after they've been cooked and boiled. We're, we're just about to put that up on the website. That'll be a great resource to go to actually um, find out where, what foods of the age levels and, and everything that can go oh, that that's way. That's wonderful. And check out the TED Talk as well. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so. And we'll give put links out for that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Well, thank you so, very much. No, thank you. I enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cancer Chat. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MUSC Hollings and visit us online at hollingscancercenter.musc.edu. And remember, here at the Hollings Cancer Center, we're finding tomorrow's cure for cancer today. <laughs>